The beautiful flowers that you see on the communion table are in memory of our beloved Lewis Green, old Paul Green, placed here by his grandson, Mike. May God bless the memory of this dear loved one to our heart this morning. We have a number of visitors here today. We're so turning to the 47th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 47. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued from under the threshold of the house eastward. And from the forefront of the house stood toward the east. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Verse 3, And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the water, and the waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through, and the waters were to the loins. And afterward he measured a thousand. And it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Verse 8, Then he said unto me, These waters issued out toward the east country and go down to the desert to the sea which goeth unto the sea, which being brought forth unto the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because the waters shall come thither, and they shall be healed. Everything that lives wherewith the river shall come. And verse 12, And by the river, upon the banks thereof, on this side and on that side shall grow all trees for meat whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his month because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary and the fruit thereof shall be for meat and the leaf thereof for medicine. My subject this morning the resources of the Holy Spirit are the resources of the Holy Ghost. Father, bless the reading of your word today. May it come forth under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Now, I did not say the resources of humanity. I'm not referring to natural resources because according to our environmentalists, we're about to run out of oil and natural gas. Our natural resources, they say, in the next century could be terminated. No, I'm not talking about human resources. I'm not talking about natural resources. But I'm talking about the resources of the Holy Ghost. Do you think there is any end to the resources of the Holy Ghost? Do you think there is any end to the power of the Holy Ghost? Now, you may come to the end of yourself. We may come to the end of natural resources, but my friend, there is no terminal point 
in the Holy Ghost. And I'm just here to tell you, if you tap the resources of the Holy Spirit, you have tapped the eternal river of God to which there is no end. Now, I know, and you listen to me this morning, I'm preaching to people who are tired. I'm preaching to people who are frustrated. I'm preaching to people who are weak. I'm even preaching to people who possibly this week have said, I have lost my desire to go on. You've run out of resources. Oh, if somehow I can get you to see what is in this passage, if I can get flowing through your soul this morning, if somehow I can channel this river of Ezekiel 47 into your soul, your body, and your spirit, you can leave here this morning with the resources of the universe flowing in your heart. And brother, there's nothing that that river can't do. Now, a Christian has three dimensions he must live in every day. You live in three dimensions. You live upward toward God. You live outward toward man. And you live inward with a conflict in the devil and the flesh. So you've got an upward attitude toward God. You've got an outward attitude toward men. And you've got an inward conflict with the devil. That is, we are looking upwardly as to our walk with God. We are looking outwardly as to our witness to our fellow man and inwardly as to our warfare with the devil. You have a walk, a witness, and a warfare. Those are the three dimensions that every Christian lives in. Hear me. You've got a walk, you've got a witness, and you've got a war every day you live. Galatians 5 said we walk in the Spirit. That's toward God that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh Acts 1 and 8 said, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. That's our witness outwardly to men. Ephesians 6 said, We wrestle or we fight it not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We've got a warfare with the devil. And Zechariah 4 and 6 says, It's not by power nor by might that we fight, but it's by my Spirit. That's the source, hallelujah. That's the source of our walk. The Spirit is the source of our witness. And the Spirit is the source of our victorious warfare. If we can just tap the infinite Spirit of God and let it flow through us, there is nothing ahead but victory for the church of the living God and for me as an individual. Not God's will for you to constantly be frustrated and defeated. Not when there is so much in the Holy Ghost. You see, for such a walk, such a witness, and such a warfare, there are so many resources available. Let me say this. You will never be able to do the work of the Spirit in the energy of the flesh you will wear yourself out fighting against the world and the devil and self yourself. You've got to tap the resources of the Holy Ghost. And just as we have this three-dimensional aspect of our life as a Christian, there's a threefold relationship with our God. 
He wants us to have a victorious warfare, a triumphant witness, and a radiant life. And He has provided that for us. Oh, Paul said, you've not so learned Christ. Some people have a perverted view of God. They think He's some kind of Gestapo with His gun held at our back all the time. Anything He's asked us to do, He has provided power for its accomplishment. Now, the Old Testament was written, of course, with a a Mideast background. And... uh, It speaks a lot in the old book of wells and streams and rivers and trees planted by rivers of water and full cups that run over because it was an arid country. And and they identified with these terms. There was a lot of desert terrain. And when you talked about a stream or a river or a well or a tree, brother, you were talking about something. And even in the New Testament. It carries over. For Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he's got that overflowing experience for you as a resource this morning. It's like the little girl who said, Oh, teacher, I am so small until I can't hold much. But she said, I can overflow a lot. And what you overflow with is predicated and based on what gets in you. Oh, you may say, Brother Tenney, I've just got a little place in Jesus. You may have a little cup this morning, but I'm here to tell you, if you can tap the resource I'm talking about, you can overflow a whole lot. You can make everybody thirsty for the experience that you have in Jesus. When you look at the New Jerusalem, the heaven, in the last chapter of the book, Revelation. The Bible said there's no sun there, no moon, no night, no stars, no sea. But the Bible said there is a river clear as crystal coming from the throne of God. Did you know there's a river all the way through the Bible? The early pages of Genesis, there's a river in Eden. And there's rivers all the way through the river Jordan and all of its similes and its meanings. You read of rivers and hanging our harps on the willows by the rivers. And and you read here in Ezekiel of this great river that came out of the sanctuary. And Jesus said it shall be in him a river of living water. And all the way to the book Revelation, this stream finally emanates as a mighty river of crystal. Rivers mean something. It indicates the life that's in the Holy Ghost. Now, you don't take a bucket of water out of the river and say, that's the river. When you take a bucket out, it ceases to be a river. It becomes a bucket. And I'm not here to tell you you can come down and get you a bucket full and go home. I'm here to tell you that you can have the river opened up in you, coming out of you. Hallelujah. You can leave your bucket and take the river home with you. And it is a perpetual source. If it was just a river that was in one place, then all you could do was go get your cup full or your bucket full. But Jesus said, if you believe me, I'll put the river in you and everywhere you go, you'll have abundant supply. Oh, you'll be victorious. You'll be triumphant. You'll be radiant. For wherever you go, your river will match the task that's before you. I'm talking about the resources and the power that's in the Holy Ghost this morning. Power to walk. Power to witness. Power to war. You see, the believer is empowered to be filled with and to overflow with the Holy Ghost, and that's victory. 
There are three things I want you to notice about this river in Ezekiel. As I, as I studied it this week, it just lived to me again. First of all, I want you to think of the essence, the very essence of this river's power. And then I want you to think of the experience of this river's depth. And then I want you to consider with me the effect of the river's flow. Now, let, let's look at the essence of this river. And by essence, I mean the source. Where did Ezekiel say this river was coming from? He said, He brought me out of the sanctuary. It was coming out of the house of God. And Revelation 22 and 1 said, It was coming from the throne of God. You know what the essence of this river was? You know what its source was? It was coming directly from the throne of God. I'm talking about what's available to you this morning. There is a river available to you that has its source emanating from the throne of God. You know what the throne is? That's the place of absolute power and authority over life. And the source of our power, now here preacher this morning, is His absolute authority over us. Now, if you want this power to overcome that I'm talking about, if you want this power to witness, if you want this power to walk and to war, it comes from the throne. Its secret is, let that one that sits on the throne have absolute authority in your life. Oh, God, help us to see this this morning. We need this throne life concept. We need this kingdom life concept. We need the life of the victorious Jesus. You see, when He really comes in and we let Him reign, He sets up His kingdom in us and He administrates our life for us. How can you lose when you've got the King of kings and the Lord of lords as the source of authority in your life? There is no way to lose. And as authority flows from you, you make people's mouths water everywhere you go because we're living in a world that's lost its sense of authority. You're living in a world that's filled with anarchy. Don't tell me what to do. And when they see you, they don't see a democracy. They see a dictatorship. My life is not run by a democracy. I don't sit down and say, all right, body, soul, and spirit, let's vote on what we're going to do. And the body said, I vote one way. And the soul said, I vote another way. And the spirit says, I vote another way. And we've got a three-way tie. No, sir, but if Jesus is enthroned in my life, I am ruled by an absolute dictatorship. My life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, I must glorify God with my body and my spirit, which are the Lord's. The essence of this river is the very throne of God. Now, I've been to Westminster Abbey several times in, in London. Westminster Abbey is the church of the king and queen. And it's where... The king and queens of England have been enthroned for many years. In 1953, you will remember when King George V died and Queen Elizabeth took the throne. Well, if you read the pageantry of it, they put a big throne there and 5,000 people crowded in from all over the United Kingdom, the Commonwealth. Representatives from over 60 nations that belong to the Commonwealth. And the Archbishop of Canterbury, when she sat upon her throne, 
he turned to the people with the crown in his hand and he said, I hereby crown Elizabeth II as the sovereign of the British Empire. If you do hereby give her complete control over your life, you will signify by saying, I... And that whole congregation representing every nation in the commonwealth shouted back three times, I! 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 But it was nothing but a show. She doesn't have a thing to do with ruling the Roman of the British Empire. She is nothing but a figurehead. They call it a constitutional monarchy. She's totally powerless. Whatever parliament... And the prime minister tells her to do, she has to rubber stamp. All she is is a showcase. But what are they doing shouting, I, that they're going to give credence and allegiance to a sovereign when they're not going to do it? Hello? Do you want me to go on or do you already know where I'm going? Do we have an absolute monarch in our soul or do we have a constitutional monarchy? You know, I'd say everybody here that believes Jesus is Lord, will you say amen? And every one of you say, amen! Amen! Jesus is Lord! He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? I'm telling you, if Jesus is on the throne of our heart, if He is the absolute monarch of our soul, He means for us to act like it. You see, the Lord doesn't have any trouble with the devil. He overcame him, said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus doesn't have any trouble with the world. He said, I've overcome the world. The only problem area he has is with the church, getting us to allow him to be the absolute sovereign of our life. Oh, the source of of our power, the source of our victory is when we are ruled from the throne of God. You'll come into a dimension of power you've never known when you abdicate yourself and say, Here I am, Jesus, take me, body, soul, and spirit. Now let me move on. Let's talk about the experience of this river's depth. We talked about its source, which is the throne. Let's talk about its course. Where did it go? Verse 1 says, It came out of the throne and went by the altar. Oh, wait a minute. The altar. That's a place of sacrifice. That's the cross. Let me tell you something, friend. You cannot have the blessing of Pentecost without the sacrifice of Calvary. And if you want to follow the river and get power with God, if you want to tap the resources of the Holy Ghost, you've got to go by way of the altar. There's got to be a sacrifice. There's got to be a cross. We used to sing the old rugged cross. We ought to change that to the new rugged cross. You know what the new rugged cross is? The new rugged cross offers people a lot of fun and a lot of kicks and a lot of entertainment only on a different level, a religious one. And the new rugged cross doesn't demand the end of self. You can go on unchallenged. You can go on unchanged. Though your life may be redirected a little bit, but really there's no sacrifice. That's the new rugged cross. But my friend, that is a powerless, miserable existence. If Jesus enjoyed the power of the resurrection, He only enjoyed it because He suffered Calvary. And there is some sacrifice to be made before you come into this dimension of the resources of the Holy Ghost. 
If the river's going to flow through you, it's going to flow by an altar. You're going to have to have an altar. You're going to have to have a clause and a prayer. You're going to have to be willing to lay yourself down on an old rugged cross somewhere and put a termination to self and end to self and death to self. It's not pretty. About all some people want in this new rugged cross philosophy is to be entertained. Come to church and stroke my feathers. Come to church and prune me a little bit. Come to church and let me enjoy the choir and the chorale and that's wonderful and let me enjoy good preaching. Come to church and provide plenty of social activities. But my friend, if you ever have the resources of the Holy Ghost flowing through you like a mighty river, you're going to have to have an altar somewhere. You're going to have to have a cross somewhere. There's going to have to be some sacrifice somewhere. This preacher is not authorized to take it out because it's there. There is no crown without a cross. In the Bible, times when a man took up a cross in the Roman world, he had already said goodbye to his friends. The cross was the end. It was no life redirected, but the end of self. And when you really get into the course of this river's experience and its depth, the only way you go deep in God is by following the altar. And if you don't follow the altar, it's shallow. And you may want to take the sting out of it. And you may want to take the death out of it. But the only way I can tell you to have power with God is something's got to die. God saves a man by liquidation. He replaces that dead man with Jesus Himself. There's no improved old life, but a new creature. He didn't say, I'm going to redirect you. He said, you're going to become a new creature. The old man is going to die. And out of the rubbles of his past is going to come a new man. But there's got to be an altar. Except the grain of wheat fall in the ground and die. It remains or abides alone. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. You know, there's so many of us that are willing to forsake our sins, but we're not willing to forsake ourselves. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. No, there's no place for a comfortable Christianity here. Some people say, Jesus, yes. The church, yes. But the cross, no. But if you want power to walk, and power to witness, and power to fight. You're going to have to plumb the depths of this river, and it goes by the altar. It directs you. No, Brother Timmy, I'm directing my own life. I'll come when I want to come. I won't come if I don't want to. Pendulum Christianity. And you wonder why you are anemic and weak and can't stand Got as much backbone as a wet noodle. You know why? You're trying to bypass that constant place of sacrifice. Altar. Now, let me hasten on here. Let's talk about the force a little more of this river. You, you read in verse 1 and 6 that he finally ended up with waters to swim in. That was the ultimate objective. For the Spirit to flow uninhibited, uninterrupted, free, to keep going by its sheer force, unhindered, Holy Ghost power, getting through, 
moving in the sanctuary. That's the ultimate end of the river, to get deep enough until nothing can stop its flow. How much room have I made for the free flow of the Holy Ghost in my life? How much room for Him to get through in my sanctuary? Paul said, pray for me that the Word of God will have free course. Do you know what? The Word of God can start up here like a mighty river to swim in. And by the time it passes through all of us, and I'll put myself with you, and our carnal thoughts and our worries and our problems, and the fact that we buy by the, what may have started as a mighty Russian river could end up as a drip by the time it gets to the back. But he said, my ultimate objective is that the river could flow. Are you hungry for that kind of an experience with God? Are you hungry? Or are we too busy playing church and being entertained? Now let me, let me talk to you about the experience of the river's depth. Talk to you a little more about it. He said first, he brought me through ankle deep, knee deep, loins, that's waist deep, and then finally waters to swim in. Are you ankle deep this morning? Are you knee deep? Are your loins deep? Has the spiritual tide gone out in your life? Was there a time when you were swimming, flowing, up to your neck in the Holy Ghost, but now the tide's gone out? You're here, but you're ankle deep. Did you know a man who's only up to his ankles, hear me, is displaying a lot of himself? A man that's only up to his ankles, you can see more of him than you do the river. A carnal Christian, he's disillusioned. I can't go on. I'm a phony. I'm sick. I'm ankle deep. And the least little thing that happens reveals self. Help us, Lord. And then finally, he's pulled out to his knees. And when God can capture the knees, something starts to happen. When he gets to his knees, something in him says, things can't go on like this. I've got to get to my knees. I'm desperate. Change me, Lord. Change me. I remember the old days of prayer when I used to come to church. I, I remember the joy. I remember the thrill. What is it? He's getting a little deeper. God's got his knees. Ananias, go down and talk to Saul of Tarshish. Ananias said, I can't. He's made havoc of the church. He'll kill me. The Lord said, it's all right. He prayeth. Hallelujah. I've got his knees. I've got him on the way. Hallelujah. You don't have to be afraid of him anymore. I'm up to the knees. He's praying. And when I see a man start to pray, hallelujah, hallelujah, when I can see that where he's been ankle deep, uh, he's moving out to his knees and he's moving into a dimension of prayer, I want to say, sick him, Holy Ghost. Um, sicker, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Somehow help me to say something to bait him on just a little further. Water to the ankles. Jesus is not real to me anymore. Water to the knees. Lord, I can't go on like this. I'm in a rat race. I'm on a conveyor belt. I'm miserable. You know when Peter screamed out, long as he was walking on the water and it was just sloshing to his ankles, he was all right. Boys, look at me. I've got it made. But you know when I think he screamed about the time it hit his knees. 
Amen. And he realized I've about had it. David Jones's locker is going to be my motel tonight. And he screamed, Lord, help me! What happened? He had him to his knees. Hallelujah. And I hope that some of you can feel the water sloshing around your knees this morning. And that before you leave here, God, I'm tired of myself. I'm sick of myself. Oh, Jesus, I want to tap the resources of the Holy Ghost. Help me! Help me! Finally, to the loins. That's the place of strength. <laughs> they that wait on the Lord, they exchange their strength for His strength. And finally, He's let out and He finds waters to swim in. Listen to me about these waters to swim in. His feet are off the bottom. He's not in control anymore. He's not touching bottom anymore. He's in the full resource of the Holy Ghost. He's lost in the river. And when you're swimming, do you know what's showing? The only thing that's showing is your head. And you know who's the head of the church? Now that's the place he wants us to get where only the head shows. Where people, when they look at us and our actions, all they see is Jesus. He's up to his ears in the Holy Ghost, absolutely giving himself, utterly available. What do you want me to do? This is the experience of the river's depth. How deep are you this morning? Oh, my heart cries for you. I I've seen some of you as the water slopped around your ankles and you are miserable. You're not what you want to be. You're not what you'd like to be. You're not enjoying the world and you're not enjoying your salvation. And I've watched some of you as it's gotten up to around your knees and you're miserable. Oh, God, help me. I don't want to live like this. And finally, I've seen some of you as you've come to the strength of your loins. I'm going to make it. I'm going to wait on God and then I've seen others of you as you found waters to swim in and you're under the control of the Holy Ghost and when I look at you I see him him oh, are you hungry for that kind of an experience are you satisfied to be a topwater tadpole and then let me close on the effect of the flow. We talked about the essence, the force, the source. Now let's talk about the effect. What will it do? Verse 7 says that everything it touched lived and fruit came forth. And the leaves of the trees that this river touched did not wither. But they bore fruit every month. I don't care what the trial was, whether it's winter, summer, spring, or autumn. Every month they had, they had a fruit to match the month. As thy day is, so shall thy strength be if you're swimming in the river. Hallelujah. You have tapped the infinite resources of the universe because it comes from the sanctuary. You've got the fruit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, goodness, temperance, mercy, faith. But not only do they have fruit, everything it touches lives. You see, character must accompany manifestation. Not enough just to manifest and say, I got life. Boy, we had a lively service. That's wonderful. Have you got fruit? So everything this river touched brought forth fruit and life. That does not mean that everything always went right for that individual. But it always meant that even if things went wrong, it had fruit for a wrong occasion. Every creature it touched lived.
What happens to people we touch? What kind of an effect is the flow having? Verse 12 said it was for the healing. One translation says for bruises and sores. And how many people are bruised and need a healing touch? Did you ever stop to think you might be God's hand extended? Where might God's river cause you to flow if you'd get into waters to swim in? Somebody out there that you work with is hurting. They're bruised. They're sore. And you may be the very flow that God's wanting to open up in your office or your neighborhood so that you could touch them with the healing power of God. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. There are homes that are bruised and need healing. There are churches. There are relationships. And if we'll let the Holy Ghost loose in our life, everything it touches is going to live. Are you letting the full flow of the Holy Ghost move through you? How, Brother Tenney? Listen to me, and I'll tell you. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It doesn't say faith cometh by listening. Now, I would say there are probably 600 people here this morning listening to me, but there are not over 10 or 12 that are hearing me. Now, the difference in the Scripture between listening and hearing is hearing is a biblical term for obedience. Obedience that takes truth to the heart and submits itself to the rule of that truth. So it's not enough for you to listen to me this morning. You've got to hear me. And if you will hear me, faith will come. And you will submit to the obedience of the book. Oh, you may be listening to all the preaching that's available to you, but are you yielding to it? Brother Tenney, how can I cease to walk in the flesh? Some of you are struggling to cease walking in the flesh. Well, my friend, you have the same problem as a man who asks, how can I stop from being cold. And someone standing by says, there's a fire. If you want to stop being cold, go stand by that fire. Stand before it. And the fire will do the work that's according to its nature. I'm not telling you you have to do anything this morning. Jesus has done it. How can I stop being cold, Brother Tenney? Come to the fire and let it do its work. Let it do its work. The resources of the Holy Ghost. The resources. There's a few of you that are hearing me the last few weeks, but only a precious few that are understanding what I'm talking about, about releasing the full life of Jesus in you and letting it flow. Let's lift our hands to him. Will you praise him? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Miserable, miserable, unhappy, wretched, undone. Jesus be the Lord.
anyone that has identified with what I have preached this morning and you really want to tap the resources of the Holy Ghost and know its essence and its flow and its depth and its power you really want this dimension while we sing this again if you really feel it please it may be that you're not ready for this yet. I don't know. But if you are, I, I want you to, as we sing it, stand right where you are. Offer yourself. Lord, I want your resources. I don't want to just be ankle deep, but here's my knees, here's my loins. Let me get so deep till I'm up to my ears, totally controlled in and submerged by the Holy Ghost. He's so interested in giving you that kind of life. Jesus, I surrender all. Jesus, I surrender all. Jesus, I surrender all. The kingdoms of my heart. Jesus be the Lord of all. Gee, some of you are miserable this morning. And it's because you've been ankle deep so long. The tide of joy has gone out. I'm offering you a river this morning that will finally take you to the throne of God Himself. Submit to His authority. Here, Jesus, I abdicate the throne, Lord. Not a constitutional monarchy, but you be dictator of my life. I'm not just going to sing, be the Lord of all, but I mean it. Here I am, body, soul, spirit. Wake me up in the middle of the night, Lord, if you need somebody to pray. Dear God, some of you wonder why you backslidden and failed the Lord. It's because you did not submit to His sovereignty. And you lost your joy and your peace. Oh, Jesus, be the Lord of all. Jesus. If there's anybody here that has a special need this morning, the altar's open. If you feel you need to pray, be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. Oh, Jesus, I serve. Anybody wants to come and kneel in this altar for prayer? There's a place of prayer. Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
Holy Spirit, do a work in our lives and hearts. Help them to see what Pastor's talking about this morning. The river. The river. I tell you, God's going to do a work in every heart that will open to him around here. You're going to find new depths in him. I'll find it. Praise God. Praise God.